Okay, Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church, and we are on in Revelation chapter 8 today, the seventh seal, the seventh seal, and this is a biblical prophecy series that we're doing online, making sense of our crazy world and getting crazier by the day, right? Wait till you see how crazy it's going to get here in Revelation chapter 8. Are you ready for what is coming soon? Coming soon. If you can't handle the USA today, you're not going to be able to handle the times of the of the book of Revelation, which I think we're inching into already. You're going to have to be able to handle what we're going through and get ready for it. The signs all point to the second coming of Jesus Christ happening soon. Uh, suddenly, if you've been following along, you know what I'm talking about. We better be prepared. If you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I hope you do that today. After this, or during this this uh, sermon, and also as Christians, if we're not ready, there's things that we need to do to prepare. I pray that you would do that today, right after this, okay? Let's pray. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would empower your word and also convict our hearts, touch our hearts, revive us. We pray for that right now, but through your mercy and grace, through your Holy Spirit's power, through your word, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we saw the six seal judgments. There's seven seals. We saw the six seal judgments so far, and now we're going to look at the seventh seal, Revelation 8. Revelation 8. When he starts with verse 1, we're going to read the first five, five verses here. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Woo, here we go. So he starts off with verse 1 with silence. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. So far we've been seeing last chapter was all worship. It was wild worship in heaven, right? But now it's total silence, which is also a very important part of worship. Silence is a powerful part of worship and prayer. This What we're seeing here is really a fulfillment of Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is it. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And we should be focusing on that stillness before God right now, all the time in our prayer, but also we see the fulfillment of this one. There's a time to praise and a a time to pray out loud, but there's also a time to be silent before God, to be quiet before God. It's a very powerful part of worship and prayer. It's a time to listen and to trust and to submit and to say, God, what do you want? I'm all ears. I'm listening. God is always speaking to us, always speaking to us. The Holy Spirit's always speaking to us, but it's like radio waves. There's radio waves in the room right now, constantly bombarding, but but we're always... Um, they're always talking to us, but we have to turn on the radio. <laughs> we have to turn it on. And then even then, there's lots of static in our life. We have to zero in on, on the radio waves and to really hear what's coming over those waves. It was the same thing spiritually. We need to learn to be quiet before God. And and this, what we're seeing now here in these five verses here, Revelation 5 verses 1 to 8, Revelation 
8, verses 1 to 5. Uh, this is the quiet before the storm. The quiet before the storm. There have been five seals. The first five seals were to get earth's attention. They were judgments. The sixth seal was the prayer of the persecuted saints in heaven, the martyrs in heaven. And then we saw the commercial break. We saw that what's going on in heaven right now, the worship that's going on right now. And then now we come to the seventh seal, which we already saw alluded to. It releases seven trumpets of judgment. So the seven seals, the seventh seal releases seven more judgments. So seven trumpets of judgment. Verse 2, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. It's going to get hot. It's going to get really hot. But before it gets hot, before these trumpets come out, look at what happens in verses 3 and 4. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. So we see the prayers and the incense here. Now remember, everything that you see in the Old Testament temple, everything you see in the Old Testament temple is a, has, is a replica of what is in heaven. Okay, The altar of incense here, in the Old Testament, the altar of incense was made of gold and was located before the holy place in the temple. In the temple, the incense was offered before the first sacrifice and after the last sacrifice every day. So before the first sacrifice, the, the incense was off, offered and after the last sacrifice, the incense was offered again. The people's sacrifice were wrapped within a beautiful aroma as it came up before God. Now remember, everything in the temple is a picture of what is in heaven. And we see here the, the actual, the replica, what it really represents. We see it here. The altar of incense here in Revelation 8 is in heaven. Much bigger, much more fancy, much more valuable. But there's a key difference with the sacrifice now. There's a key difference with the sacrifice here in Revelation chapter 8. And that's the sacrifice of animals are no longer needed. There is no sacrifice of an animal here in Revelation chapter 8. Why? Because Jesus Christ died once for all. He was the ultimate sacrifice. Sacrifice on the altar of the cross. He, the, all those animals were just a picture of what Jesus was going to do. He did it. Hebrews, once for all. It's, it's completely done. It's completely done. No longer needed. But there's still incense offered before God. Still incense are offered still. And those incense include the prayers of all the saints. The prayers of all the saints. If you are, if you are a saint, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and you have offered a prayer, that is stored up and is going up before God. Some of them have already gone up before Him. Some will go in the future because depending on when God's going to fulfill those prayers, okay? And they come up, the, the prayers, our prayers come up before God mixed with incense as a pleasing aroma to Him. In fact, in Acts chapter 10, let me just read to you Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, talking about, I believe, Cornelius, the centurion. 
And I forgot to mark the spot here to get to it quick. But in Acts chapter 10, verse 1, listen to what happens here. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Uh, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. The prayers have come up as a memorial offering and the gifts, but the prayers as a gift. Wow, do we need encouragement to pray? <laughs> well, we shouldn't, should we? But our prayers, we see here in, in Acts 10, we see it in Revelation chapter 8, we see that our prayers please God. They please Him. And not only that, they also reach Him. They all reach God. All of them. You, that we have here assurance. We have assurance that God hears our prayers and will act on them at the right time. We have this assurance. Our prayers are kept in heaven. Some have been kept for 2,000 years. Kept in heaven. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. You know, finally being answered. Prayers that are answered, your will be done. Your kingdom come. They will definitely be answered. It's just a matter of time. And, and at least by Revelation 8, they all will be answered. That prayer that's prayed in God's will will be answered. We see these being fulfilled here right now. And we see God's response in verse 5 where it says, Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it on the earth, and there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning and an earthquake. God's response. Every prayer that is that that is prayed in God's will. Every prayer for true biblical justice. Not this fake counterfeit justice stuff going on. Biblical justice, God's glory, deliverance will be answered. And we see here it's like a volcano erupting. The result is seven trumpets, as we're going to see next. What's going on in our prayer life? What's going on? Do we realize how special our prayers are to God? What a, a privilege it is to be able to pray something that's going up before God? Do we, do we understand what it is? It's really a relationship. It's because of a relationship and part of our relationship. Motivation to pray. Do you need motivation to pray? Our prayers are sweet to God. They're a sweet incense to God. Do we need motiva motivation to persevere? He will respond at just the right time, in the right way. God promises any prayer that's prayed according to His will will be answered in his time at just the right way. It will not be wasted. Maybe you feel like your prayers are forgotten. Maybe you feel like God is not listening. Maybe you feel like your prayers have been wasted. But God did hear. Maybe he said no. <laughs> Maybe he needed to say no. I remember when I was a kid, I, I asked for a crossbow for Christmas. I wanted a crossbow. I begged my parents for a crossbow. I was sure I was going to get a crossbow. Got up Christmas morning, there was no crossbow. I was so crushed. I was upset. But thank God... I didn't get a crossbow because I wouldn't be here today. I probably would either have killed myself or killed somebody else and been in a lot of trouble. Because, you, well, you've heard my stories. Uh, but God said, my parents said no. And a lot of times God says no. Maybe our prayer, God said, wait. He said, wait. What if 
Think of some of the prayers we prayed. We're 15 years old and we want to marry this person. Thankfully, God said, it's not the right time for you to be married at 15, right? No, it, but, but the point is, no or wait, no matter how God responds, it's still important. It's part of a relationship. It's part of give and take. That's how we grow, just like with our own kids. We grow as we give and take with them. We know what's best. But no prayer is wasted. No prayer is forgotten. They are stored in heaven. We might not even remember praying them. We might never remember praying X, Y, or Z. But God does. He keeps zillions of prayers stored up here. And I want to encourage you to keep a journal. I tell everybody, keep a journal, keep a prayer journal, see the answers. Our prayer team keeps a, uh, every week we keep a prayer list and, and we have a praise list and we, we see how God answers. And when we look back at our prayer journals, we, we will appreciate some of the no's. <laughs> there's no, there's wait, or there's yes. But we're going to appreciate some of the no's and definitely some of the waits. Uh, and I remember a saying once, and I, I'm going to try to get it the best I can. When our prayer is wrong... God says, no. When the timing is wrong, God says, grow. But when the prayer is right and the timing is right, God says, go. Go. Go, dog, go. <laughs> Love that book. Anyway, read it all the time to, to Laurel. But that, that, keep that in mind. But God, even though we have, there's a lot of prayers, some are no, but some are, yes, right now, go. But some are, grow and wait a while. But we know that at some point, God will answer those prayers. He's storing them up. And for sure, by Revelation 8, anything prayed in God's will is going to be answered. All right? We're, God responds to the prayers of the saints. We saw the, the prayers of the martyrs. We see the prayers of the saints here. God responds to the prayers of the saints now here in Revelation 8. And now the earth is going to need lots of prayers. Because wait you see what happens with the seven, seventh seal unleashes seven more judgments. Seven trumpets of judgment. In fact, I'm just going to read you... Uh, well, I'll read the first one. Uh, then, verse 6, Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first, verse 7, The first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and it was hurled down upon the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. It was a scorcher. All right? The first trumpet, the earth is judged. The earth is judged. This is all part of breaking the curse of sin, cleansing the earth, recreating. We're going to see at the end of this, the earth is recreated, a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to see that. We see that he starts off the first trumpet is hail and fire mixed with blood. And look what it does. It scorches a third of the earth a third of the tr trees and all the grass, all the green grass. I'm sure the EPA was saying, who who, who do we find this time? Uh, because they don't believe in God. The EPA doesn't believe there's a God. So who are they going to find? And the radical environmentalists are, will finally get their global warming for real this time, right? And, and we see with each of these trumpets, we see a parallel with the book of Exodus. In fact, five of the plagues of Exodus are here in Revelation. Half of them are here in Revelation. Which one was this? This was the seventh plague. The seventh plague. Ex the parallel is with Exodus chapter 9, verse 23. We see the first parallel in verse 23 where it says, When Moses stretched out his staff toward the sky, the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed down to the ground 
<clears throat> so the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. Hail fell and lightning flashed back and forth. It was the worst storm in all the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. So we, we see that the seventh plague has a parallel here in, in Revelation. The second trumpet sounds. The second trumpet sounds. And this is one is in verses 8 and 9. The second angel sounded his trumpet and something like a huge mountain all ablaze was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. Wow. So we saw the earth was judged and now we see that the sea is judged. Once again, God judging the earth, uh, judging creation. Uh, we're going to be recreating it soon. It says here, a blazing mountain was thrown into a sea. Could be a volcano. We don't know. Or it could come out of the sky. We don't know. But but Mount Vesuvius had re, had erupted in 79 AD, was well known. It had devastated Pompeii. It was well known to John and well known to the, the world here. Underwater volcanoes were very common. The sea, we're not sure which sea this is, but very, uh, but, but usually... When it uses the word here, it's referring to the Mediterranean. Now remember, this is the time of the revived Roman Empire. Just as the Roman Empire, Empire was hit by that volcano that decimated Pompeii, uh, Mount Vesuvius decimated Pompeii. Remember, this is the Rome, revived Roman Empire now. It says a third, one-third of the sea turned to blood. It kills one-third of the sea creatures and destroys one-third of the ships. Half of our oxygen, at least half, maybe even up to 80%, but at least half of our oxygen comes from the ocean. Think about what the effect of this is going to be upon our planet. Uh, uh, half of our oxygen comes from the ocean. 20% of our oxygen comes from plankton. Uh, from plankton. That's as much as the, the, the rainforest create. So, you know, you know, we talk about the rainforest all the time. We should be careful with them. But 20% as much, 20% of our, our oxygen comes from the rainforest, 20% comes from the plankton. You can see what the effect is going to be. Also, there's about 30,000 ships plying the oceans. One third of them are going to be destroyed. 10,000 of them will be destroyed. Millions of sailors and passengers. You talk about a huge Pearl Harbor are going to, are going to die from this. Uh, the Mediterranean Sea is a permanent home to the U.S. sixth fleet. If that's the case, it's going to be wiped out. Many other navies are also represented, going to be wiped out. Also, if Babylon is literally rebuilt by this time, it, it will become the commercial center and it will be devastated by this. Uh, and we also see, once again, a connection to Exodus. Which plague is this? The first plague, right? The first plague, Exodus 7 in Exodus 7, verse 19, where it says here, let me just turn to that. Exodus 7, 19, where it says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams and canals, over the ponds and all the reservoirs, and they will turn to blood. Blood will be everywhere in Egypt, even in the wooden buckets and stone jars. So we see the beginning of this. The first plague here has a connection here with the second trumpet. Third trumpet. The third trumpet is in Revelation 8, verses 10 through 11. The third trumpet sounds where it says, 
The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. That had become bitter. And so we see the rivers now are judged. The third trumpet, or the rivers are judged. You've heard of smart bombs. This is a smart bomb, all right? It's a smart meteor. There's thousands of meteors out there. They could hit the earth, possibly. This one does. God sends it. It's a, it's a miraculous attack from God. God will hit the fresh water source of a third of the earth. He will bury it at just the right spot. It will become bitter. Many, many will die. What could this be? Maybe the Great Lakes. The Great Lakes are 20% of the surface fresh water. Uh, the Great Lakes, I grew up near Lake Ontario, could be there. Once again, there's a connection with Exodus, the first plague, which we already saw. There's a part two to that, which I think fits very well with this. Exodus 7, verse 20. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded. He raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials and struck the water of the Nile and all the water was changed into blood. The fish in the Nile died and the river smelled so bad that the Egyptians could not drink its water. Blood was everywhere in Egypt. Once again, uh, the blood kind of blurring of, of, of the two events there. Uh, the first plague, part two, I call that. All right. Then we see the fourth trumpet. This is the last one we're going to look at today. Uh, the fourth trumpet, which is in, let's see what verses are. Verse 12, the fourth trumpet where it says, I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like a sackcloth made of goat's hair. The whole moon turned blood red and the stars in the sky fell to the earth as late figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll rolling up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. From its place. So we... Uh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong... I turned to the wrong... I was like reading it thinking, wait, that sounds a lot like the seals. <laughs> It was. Forget what I just read. All right, here we go. Here we go. Uh, I'm reading. I'm mixing up seals and trumpets. Okay. Chapter 8, verse 12. All right. And we have the fourth angel and the fourth trumpet. The fourth angel sounded his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light and also a third of the night. So, woo, Okay. So that, that's the right one. Uh, the fourth trumpet, the heavens are judged. The heavens are judged. One third of the sun, moon, and stars are affected. Whether this is reduction or intensity or a huge eclipse, not quite sure, but we know this is what has happened. There's now 16-hour nights. There's been a flip-flop, a drastic effect. Global cooling. We went from global warming to global cooling. True climate change this time. Uh, and once again, we see a, a parallel with Exodus. The Which plague? The ninth plague. The ninth plague. Exodus 10, verses 21 through 23. And we come to Exodus 10, 21, where it says, The Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky so the darkness will spread over Egypt, darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one can see could see anyone else or leave his place for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. So we see a parallel, parallel once again in the ninth plague in Exodus. The Exodus had two 
purposes. The Exodus had two purposes. One was to show God's power through his judgment on Egypt. Here now we're seeing God's power exhibited to the whole world through his judgments on the whole planet. So that was the first purpose. The second purpose of Exodus was to deliver God's people from bondage specifically the Israelites from bondage to Egypt. But now we're seeing that he's going to deliver his people from bondage in a whole new way. He's bringing out the final, bringing about the final exodus of God's people from bondage to a hostile world. This world is hostile to us, hates us, wants to enslave us, and God is bringing his people out of bondage to a hostile world. Hopefully as Christians, if we're already Christians, we will be raptured by this point. Hopefully, uh, that's what we're hoping. But I always say, pray for pre-trib, prepare for post-trib. All right, prepare, pray, be prepared for anything. God could take us up out of all this before it even hits, or He could preserve us, like we just saw in Exodus. The Israelites weren't affected by the darkness. They weren't affected by the plagues. God supernaturally protected them. We've already talked about that many times. This is really a second exodus, whether, whether it's um, a rapture, and we've already had our exodus, or whether, we're, whether we are taken up at the second coming of Jesus Christ, it's preparing us for a second exodus. Whether, whether We know there's going to be many believers. We don't know if that's because of the Jews coming to Christ. We don't know if that's just new converts. We don't know if we'll still be here. Hopefully we'll be out of here. And, and, the, and the Jewish converts and the new converts, the, the Gentile converts are the ones that are being talked about as we go through Revelation. But only God knows, right? Pray for pre-trib. Prepare for mid or post-trib rapture. We, we just don't know for sure. We can hope. We can pray for But we got to be prepared, okay? So... Either way, whether there's going to be a rapture before, whether it's in the middle of the tribulation, whether it comes at the end with all of us being taken up, we are going to be exited. There's going to be another exodus. We're going to be taken up. But either way, the key to, to our survival is our faith in Jesus Christ. There's three more trumpets coming, as we'll see. Uh, two of them in chapter 9 next time. But, but the key is it's going to get crazy. We have to be able to survive this. How can we survive? How can we survive? The first step is putting your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the first step to survival. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And then you will either be part of the rapture or God will take you through. But let me just read to you 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 15, I think this is a great passage talking about being ready for the trumpet. 1 Corinthians 15. And once again, I forgot to mark it this morning. I must have been extra sleepy when I was marking my verses. But 15, verse 51, where it says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be change. So we're listening for trumpets. We don't know if that trumpet is one of these seven judgment trumpets, or we don't know if that's an ex the one final trumpet that's going to be at the end, but we know that that's when we'll be changed. We'll be, could be the rapture, could be uh, the, the, the second coming, but we better, we better pay attention to the, the, the trumpets. Right? Or if we don't listen to God, listen for, we're listening for God's trumpet, or we're going to face the music of these other seven horrible trumpets. And as Christians, we have to be prepared 
also, whether it's a rapture or a second coming exodus, we, we have to be ready because we're going to face man's wrath, not God's wrath. We're going to be spared from that one way or another, either taken up or protected one way or another, but we're going to be facing man's wrath for sure. But remember this. Remember as we go through this that we, we know our deliverance is close. We know that God will give us the grace. I just finished watching the movie The Hiding Place, Corey Ten Boom. What happened with, to, with the Nazis, which was a picture of all this. It's a type of all this. It's a preparation of all this. Persecution of the Jews, attacking the Christians. But, what, but they, she, it was just amazing what they went through, but they had a hiding place. Those who had faith in Christ, Corey and her, her sister Betsy and the other Christians had a hiding place. A hiding place, not just physically, although they were caught, that they had a spiritual hiding place. Even in the midst of the concentration camps, they kept their faith. They were given a supernatural peace beyond human understanding, beyond human comprehension. They were given a peace. Are we prepared for what is coming, for man's wrath, not God's wrath, but for man's wrath. Are we prepared? Are we, are we finding our hiding place now? Are we growing in our faith now? Are we growing in our faith? Are we sharing our faith with others now? Are we doing that? Are we doing that? Are we ready? Let's pray. Are we prepared? As Christians, are we learning to depend fully on God's mercy and grace, growing in our faith so that when this time does come, whether it's the time leading up to the tribulation or the tribulation itself, we would survive it. We would survive because of our faith in Jesus Christ, because we've learned to live by faith, because we've grown our spiritual muscles. And even then, we know that it's going to take complete grace at that time. We have to prepare, but at that time, It's going to take grace. It's not something we can fully prepare for because God will give us the grace at that time. Father, I pray that every one of us would be ready for this time. And while we're praying about that, maybe you're not ready because you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You're not ready for what we're going to go through because you've never put your faith. There's only one way to survive life's tribulations now and the great tribulation To get through it, there's only one way, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. Have you ever put your faith in Christ? We live by faith, but there is a time where we have to first become born again, put our faith in Jesus Christ, give our life to Him, let the Holy Spirit come in and make us a new creation, empowering us. Have you ever had that time? that you know for sure you put your faith in Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus? Put your faith in Him, given your life to Him. You can do that right now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Do it right now. The simple but powerful prayer of faith. God, I repent of my sin. I turn away from my old life and the garbage of my old life, following the world, following Satan. I repent of that. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith 
in Jesus, your Son, your one and only Son. I'm putting my faith in Him. My faith in His death on the cross for me. My faith in His resurrection from the dead for me so that I could live a new life. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to Him. Father, I pray that every person who is hearing this will make sure of their faith in Jesus. They would be prepared for the tribulations in this life and the tribulation to come. I pray that we would each be ready for eternity. And I pray that as Christians, you would wake us up and revive us and prepare us for the second coming of Jesus Christ and everything that leads up to it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we'll go to Revelation chapter 9. The fun continues. We have a few more, uh, a few more of these uh, judgments to, to come before us and then leading to some more. <laughs> but anyway, it, there's a happy ending. I promise there's a happy ending to Revelation. We know what happens. We know the end of the story. It's going to be awesome. Hang on. Put on your seatbelts and hang on.